You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 246 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. You were very excited about that number. I know. I don't know what that was. It's okay. I'm feeling it. Why not? We should celebrate arbitrary numbers. It's like 200 is ar- it's as arbitrary as 246. That's true. So That's true. Yeah. Why not? Um, yeah. Things are things are going it's going good. <laughs> it's so weird because like we have to fabricate these. How are we doing today? Even though you and I just spent half hour in a room talking about our our cats and dogs and yep everything going on here. So it's like none of you guys know that, but. Peek behind the curtain. Pay no attention to the man in the corner. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? Because I we haven't done that lately, and I feel like we should probably remind people. Easiest way is to go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. There you can find all, our, all of our social links, including Twitter and Instagram, both of which are at ProBookNerds. You can also oh my gosh, email us, mm-hmm. professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, you can. Also, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Joe has promised to use all the fun new Instagram things. <laughs> We've been talking about it, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna put it out in the world so to make sure we actually do it. All like the cool questions and the polls and everything that you can do on Instagram. Yeah, stories. I do it on my personal page, like my personal Instagram yeah, account. I you don't do. know why I don't why we haven't started doing it more. I don't know. I'm lazy with my personal one. Usually, like I'll have like one Instagram story every three days, and it'll be my dog playing fetch. But you are much better at it than I am. So. I remember it took me a long time to get Instagram stories. I was like, what is this? That's right. Why are people doing that? I don't understand. And then once I figured it out, or I think I saw people using it in really interesting ways, I was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. You guys are welcome to try and find me on Instagram if you want. Oh, yeah, it's I don't just care. Pictures of my, it's just pictures of my dogs. <laughs> um, and my Instagram story uh, literally is usually like, pictures of my dogs that i didn't want to put on instagram that i can confirm that part yeah <laughs> really all it is yeah um i also love the like if the more i don't know if you ever noticed this on instagram but the more posts you put in a row on your instagram story if like you look at the amount of people who view it it's like a law of diminishing returns it's like oh yeah i know if i post nine short videos of my dogs playing fetch Half of you are actually going to watch the second half of those. Oh yeah, no, I like they just like the numbers drop off. Yeah, with each new like always make it always makes slide me slide or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I think of them as like PowerPoint slides. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like well, my, uh, Alex and I have like we have friends who are, are bloggers and they have a fairly large following. So I'll do the classic, just like tap the button real quick to get through their whole story so that they get their numbers, but I don't have to. Oh I yeah, I do that too. I don't need to watch them eat a weird sandwich on a Saturday mm-hmm. for seventeen mm-hmm. posts. You just text them, ask them how it was. Anyway, none of that had anything to do with this episode. Nope. Uh, today is the final episode. Oh, so, sorry. Wow, that was creepy. The final interview from PLA that I did way back in the spring. Um, so I sat down with children's author and illustrator Sarah Jacoby, and she has a debut children's book that came out a little bit earlier this year called Forever or a Day. And she writes... She did all the writing for the book, and she also did all of the illustrations. Her 
artwork is incredible. Uh, my wife and I have since bought a couple of pieces from her website. Um, like she has this amazing one from uh, the Nutcracker of the the Mouse King. That's amazing. I remember you showing me. They're just it's so the, her her artwork is so cool. It looks like um, it looks like everything is watercolors. But she there she goes into in our conversation the different layers that she uses to create all of these images and the story itself that this February day is really cool. It basically goes into the differences of how a parent and a child sees the passage of time. So for a child, and I remember this when I was a kid too. My grandparents lived in Cleveland Heights, and we lived in Lorraine. So to me, that drive when we'd go on Sundays took forever Mm -hmm. and now i'm like oh no it's 30 minutes yep so uh and she does a really awesome job with the images and the pictures she draws and the story she tells it's very it's very heartwarming and sweet i bought this for my nieces and nephews so well okay i'll admit this as i'm in my 30s and i still feel like driving from the west side to the east side of cleveland yeah that's actually (laughs) like an hour (laughs) you guys not uh, yeah there's this hilarious delineation in North Sorry, Ohio. I didn't mean to like totally no, hijack that. No, totally fine, and you're right, but there is this hilarious delineation uh, in Northeast Ohio. If you are a Clevelander, you're either a, a West Sider or an East Sider, and Clevelanders, we're a lot like people from Chicago who, like, people can live, tw- you know, 50 miles outside of Chicago. They say they're from Chicago. If you live within, like, a 30-minute radius of Cleveland, you're just a Clevelander, but... Like, you would think east side and west side of Cleveland was, like, Scotland versus Ireland. Like, the amount of people who are like, ugh, you live in the east side of Cleveland? And it's, like, they're both wonderful. I went to college in the east side of Cleveland, and now I live on the west side of Cleveland. Mm -hmm. They're both great. They have their own, but, like, and they're not that super different. They're really not. But people are like, ugh, I'm not going all the way to the east side. (laughs) Like a 15-minute drive. So, (sighs) I feel you. I understand. Um... (laughs) Is there anything else you think people should know about? We already told them how to get a hold of us. I think that's everything. Okay. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this random intro and this interview I did with Sarah Jacoby on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Adam again, and I'm excited today to sit down with Sarah Jacoby, who is an award-winning illustrator whose work can be found in the New York Times, Tiny Bob, Travel and Leisure, and several books for both Chronicle and HarperCollins. Her debut picture book, which she both wrote and illustrated, Forever and a Day, is now available through Chronicle. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. So before we started recording, we were already bonding a little bit, so I'm very excited about this, but can you tell people about your book, Forever and a Day? Forever or a day. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's funny. A lot of people have been calling it forever and a day, which I (laughs) totally get. Uh Yeah. (laughs) But it's forever or a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the, like theory behind it is um, kind of more question oriented. So like, do you remember when you were a kid Mm -hmm. and you didn't really know what time was? Yeah. And sometimes it felt like so giant. Uh And sometimes it feel so short right so it could feel like forever or a day yeah i no it's i was i've been thinking about this a lot because you're absolutely right we used to say in our family 
time is like a glass of water. Mm. Maybe, I don't know if you've ever heard anyone say no. it this way. Okay, so the way that people describe it is, and by the people, I mean me right now <laughs> and my family, is life is like a glass of water. And as you get older, the glass gets bigger. And so the water in there stays the same. So what might be a tiny glass when I'm like seven, like for example, driving to my grandmother's house took 45 minutes but for me it felt like it took forever yeah and now I'll drive there and it feels like it takes 10 minutes because it's just the amount of time that I understand is a lot greater but the amount of time obviously 45 minutes is 45 minutes but it just to me it's such a cool thing to I wish there was a book like this when I was younger to that describe really cool yeah, and what do your parents do? Like, how did they? Uh, so my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this a thing? My mom was a teacher for thirty nine years, okay. and she taught third and fourth grade. Okay. So kind of right, you know, right where people would probably be reading your book. But yeah. um, that's fascinating. Yeah, my mom. Before I knew what time was, I would ask her like, "How long is it going to take?" Mm-hmm. And she would be like, "Oh, it's an episode of blah blah." blah. So she would use like analogous oh. things to describe time to me. That's really smart. Yeah, and I was like, oh, "Okay." So what? Okay, so what were the what were the episodes i'm just curious what were the shows it was always like sesame street okay watch a sesame street yeah (laughs) Yeah. watch a fraggle rock it'll be fine um so i'm really interested in about the art of this book because it's first off beautiful your art is incredible cool but did you come up with a story that you wanted to write and then design pieces around the story or did you have these pieces that you'd like you, you do a lot of artwork, so if you like, yeah. did you have a piece of art and you're like, oh, that could be a story? Oh, yeah. I'm actually, an, like, an illustrator. I went to school for that. Uh-huh. So, um, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I, this came out as a poem. First, I was um, sitting around marveling about the this whole thing uh-huh. time does. Uh-huh. And so I was just kind of, like, bopping around and thinking about, like, whoa, this is crazy that... It just functions in this way, mm-hmm. and then the way I was writing the poetry, it sort of um, simplified down to um, something that sounded like a picture book. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, actually, this would be a really good picture book. But then I was like, I titled this even on my little Google Doc. I was like, this is maybe the worst picture book because <laughs> it's maybe the most boring idea ever. Because no. you're like, I don't know, do kids like would a kid respond to like a philosophical thing so, at that time? I don't know. Like, I guess. I like to think of it as like, think of like Pixar movies, mm. how there's something in there for kids, but then there's so much stuff in there that I'll rewatch, like Toy Story yeah, or yeah. anything. That's like. the dream, right? Yeah. Put a function on both of those. Exactly. Levels. And to me, that's what this yeah. is like. I feel like you can use your book to describe to young readers, like, no, 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 this is how time kind of works. But as a person who might be a little bit older, like a parent, you kind of, it's almost like you're more nostalgic. So to me, yeah. I think it works. Yeah, and that's where I actually came up with the visuals for the, there's a, a journey that, without giving too much away, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a journey that happens in the book. And when I was sitting down to think about what to draw, mm-hmm. um, I was like, what is, what would be, at first I was like literally doing what I had written, and then I was like, no, what's a better in what circumstance do you experience like time in the most mm-hmm. radical ways? And I was yeah. like, a trip. It's the best. <laughs> That's absolutely the best. Yeah, because it's like you're waiting mm-hmm. and then you're enjoying and it's so fast. And then a trip also does a thing where it like distills into a memory yeah. differently than any other way. Yeah, and I think you look back on, on trips, at least I do. I feel like I look back on them much more fondly. And like even even if you have a wonderful trip, there's those moments of like, 
irritation or sitting around and waiting. Oh, yeah. And you never remember those after the fact. I know. Vacation's, like, maybe 80% like, Mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> but then when you look back, it's always like, that was the best. Yeah. Oh, I'm 32. I was just yeah. for, I was in uh, Arizona for a week hiking. And yeah. I'm 32 years old, and I still, I won't remember all the grumpiness, like, the bantering ahead of my father back and forth. I'll oh be like, I remember that sunset we had when we were in Sedona. Like, that's all the things I'm going to remember. Wow, so. that sounds like Arizona is beautiful. I will preach to the heavens. I had never been there before. Yes. Oh, it's so awesome. So, okay. I will admit that when I read a lot of picture books, I find myself sometimes glossing over the pictures just like to get through the story. Yeah. But every page of your book is like a work of art. It's nice. Oh, it's so, they're so great. So, I'm just, I'm curious. Is there something in there? You don't think of anything away, but is there a piece in there that like, your especially like that's the thing I'm most proud of in here like is there one oh yeah I have two actually um I love the scenes with all the people uh-huh um so there's a train scene and there's a scene of a, a train station scene kind yeah of. and um I just I, lo- I I haven't really drawn like that many people at once before right and it's um it's kind of an ordeal for illustrators to draw like crowds uh-huh because it's, it's a lot of things to decide yeah you don't want to get repetitive yeah 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 and you're like what does everyone's face look like so it's like <laughs> it's kind of a lot uh-huh <laughs> um so I really like if you get a chance to look at people's faces uh-huh. I laugh so much and like that's that's my favorite I don't know. Whenever I can make myself laugh. Oh, yeah. You know, it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of knew I could do, like, pretty stuff. Uh-huh. But, like, the humor is the part that I think kind of saves this book from being too overly sentimental. Yeah. And it can be, it can be really funny. I, I, you mentioned that you don't, like, because with your artwork that you sell or you do for the other areas, you don't tend to do a lot of people, right? Yeah. It is more so, yeah. like, nature and animals yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that. Totally. Okay, so, did you ever, like, were you... Is there a reason behind that, or is it just that you're more drawn to nature and, and things of that nature? I guess I'm just. Oh yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. Um, you know, this when this when I was thinking about the visuals for the book, uh-huh. I asked a couple people. I was like, I don't know, like who should live in this book, like people or or creatures? Yeah. Because it does it could mm-hmm. have been like a book about bears. Oh yeah. Um, I would read a book about bears. Yeah, and everyone I talked to was like, no, definitely people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? And they're like, it's just such a human story absolutely so I was like all right here I go so I was gonna say so, <laughs> so I know like a lot of there's always a joke for people who aren't like, professional yeah, artists like yeah. they'll say like I can't draw feet or, like I can't draw hands like so there's always a reason for them is there a reason that you don't normally draw people other than the fact that you have to come up with different faces all the time oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think it is a choice like it's a real um representation mm-hmm. thing because it's a, it is a lot of like well, what kind of people are going to be in your book? Like, yeah. who's going to be in your book? And it really kind of... Um, I think you can surprise yourself with an artist if you yeah. see, like, oh, I'm only drawing, like, this set of people. Like, yeah. you can be like, oh, whoa, is this how I see the world? Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'm that, very pleasantly surprised by how I see the world. I have literally... Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. I've yeah. literally... We talk to a ton of diverse authors all the time on our podcast. And it's like very, for me, it's very important as like a middle class white person. I mm. always am like, okay, it's not, it wouldn't be fair for me just to find other white people to talk to all the time. Yeah. But that's so interesting. As a, I've never thought about it from an illustration standpoint. It's like, okay, I can't draw 50 people and they all look five foot eight and white with short brown hair. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, That's I do think illustration or like picture drawing for people is a kind of an extension of how you see things. Yeah. So it's scary when you have to like commit to your vision. Yeah. Well, and then you also, I imagine, yeah. is you have to be careful, especially when you're drawing like other nationalities and things about like, okay, I don't want to make a caricature of this person. Right. And sometimes you don't know you're doing it, and mm -hmm. so there's a lot more to like. So were you ever like? Were you showing these pieces to like your editors or things, being like, "Is this okay?" Like, were, did that ever come up for you? Where you're just like, "What do you guys think?" Kind of the so the main character is um, kind of gender neutral. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is like in my mind, it's it could be a girl or a boy. Mm -hmm. um, and I call, we, there's no names in the book, but we met and I ended up calling them Sam. Uh-huh. Uh, that's, that's a perfect middle, <laughs> that's a perfect middle ground name. Yeah, we're like, what's Sam doing right now? <laughs> so, to me, like, um, I think there was, there was a lot of conversation about, like, who's included in this book. Because mm -hmm. a lot of, for, for kids' book in particular, you want to be as inclusive as possible. Right. So, especially right now. Uh-huh, absolutely. <laughs> so, like, that... That was really important for, for it to exist. To yeah. have like a sort of younger child that could be either or. I love that. Yeah. But you mentioned calling him Sam. It's really fun. One of my best friends who actually works at the company that I do, she comes on the podcast all the time. She's pregnant and they are purposely not finding out the, the sex of the baby until it's born. So they're just the place, they have names for boys and girls, but their placeholder is just baby Sam. It's just, wow, it's just that's, a, that's literally what they use. They're just like, yeah. yeah, so Sam is the size of a grapefruit today and oh all these things. Yeah. I learned about gender parties like a year ago and it's still blowing my mind. I, wow. I feel like you can do it right, and then you can do them totally wrong. Like, yeah. it has to be a fun, creative way. Yeah. Or cake. I'm always okay with the cake. I'm great with cake. Yeah, cake that. Cake also yeah, that works too. Um, okay, so this is your first picture book, but you have illustrated for other picture books, correct? Yeah, just one. Though. Just one. Okay. Yeah. What was that experience like? Did it? Was there a difference for you? I guess as an illustrator of someone else's work, how did that feel? Like, was there back and forth with the author? Was there? conversation about it did you feel like responsibility to their words and it's, it's oh, interesting yeah. to do both it is like a totally different mm -hmm. operation yeah. yeah yeah I'm actually working on like three books right now and they're all for different people um, and it ranges from someone I am I talk to kind of a lot mm -hmm. and then to someone who I do not talk to at all and it used to be in publishing world like they kind of kind of kept them separate to, yeah yeah but the person I talk to a lot kind of is a very experienced author, mm -hmm. and he's very like excited and open to what I would bring to it, yeah. which I think is like the, the key if you are going to be in conversation. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of uh, maybe a limiting way to do it when mm -hmm. you're just like, why aren't you drawing this? <laughs> this is my vision of the book. Why aren't you doing exactly my vision of the book? Right. And you're like, well, this is frustrating. Mm -hmm. yeah, so. I, so did, do you think you went through more iterations of pieces of your own work or of theirs to try and get like get their words right? Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I would say with my own, I'm a little more like cautious and mm -hmm. self-conscious of like the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I feel a little freer with other people. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I bet people feel different. I was just gonna say, I feel like that would be the other way around for me. Yeah. Just because. You think it would be 
I feel like I would feel a lot of pressure with someone else's words. I, I don't want to put pressure. I don't want you to go back to your house and be like, oh man, Adam was right. I feel a lot of pressure now. Like, I feel like for me, if it's my, if they're my words, I can suffer. Be like, no, this is, this is what it should look like. But if it's someone else's, I feel like I would be. I think I'd be super nervous just to hear, like, after the book came out, like, hear an interview with them where they're like, yeah, I really love the illustrations, but, you know. My friends and I have this, like, some illustrator friends and I have this joke called, like, do you love it? Where <laughs> you, you show, like, the final product and you're like, do you love it? And oh. you just see the person's face fall. Oh, that's like, amazing. Um, but at this point, I think I'm at a place where I'm like, all right, they're asking me to do the visual work, so I'm assuming there's a trust there. Right. And they're like, I don't want to have to worry about whether I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Bring what I can bring. Yeah. And I know they do love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, how would you describe your artistic style? Ooh. That's a very, I know that's just like an industry, like, magazine y question, yeah. but, like, how would you describe what, like, your work? Because it's so different. I, like, I was gushing before we started recording about the, your other stuff that I love, but, like, how would you describe it? Yeah, I would call it. Textured. <laughs> These are amazing words. Uh, uh, whimsical would be another way to describe it. Yes. Um, but like, not, like, not like wacky whimsical. Yeah, not like Susian whimsical. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like fairy tale whimsical. Yeah. Kinda. I would call it feminine as well. I would okay. a little, well, I don't know, a lot of I mean, I, I like it, but I also am like a, a very, yeah, I. My wife always gets mad about because she sometimes something will happen about like a man being horrible, which men on the whole usually are. And she'll, well, I know, but she'll say something about like something that happened and she'll be really angry. And I'll be like, you're right, that's horrible. It's so unfair. And she'll look at me, she's like, sometimes I just wish you were less of a feminine, like, so that less of a feminist so that I could be mad and like argue with us. I was like, I'm not going to argue with you when guys are terrible, but. So maybe that's why I wouldn't say feminine for your work, just because I don't think I'd have on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so who... How would you describe it? Oh, You're an man. outsider. Okay, yeah. that's... All right. Well, I like whimsical, but mm-hmm. to be fair, that's, like, my favorite word, so... Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... I like textured. I think that... Because you, you go through, like, layers when you're designing it, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I okay. do, do a watercolor layer. Yeah. And then I'll, like, Photoshop a little. And then uh-huh. I'll a little and kind of... Okay. I think I would say not like, like if there was a word to describe like soft edges like just to me like that. soft focus like, thing. <laughs> yeah you know what I mean like almost yeah. like soft focus where there's no at least to me it doesn't look like there's a lot of like hard lines yeah like that. I pay a lot of attention to edges yeah yeah because it's so when you photoshop stuff it's very easy to well it's not work that back, not very easy, but it's like there's a tool, <laughs> a specific tool that you use mm-hmm. that creates a hard edge. So yeah. It's a lot of work to work on. I do not like hard edges. They bother me. I have lots of tattoos and I'm always like, just no hard edges on things. I want it to look like it's part of it. So, um, who, like, what artists inspire you? Like, what are the ones that you are big fans of? Oh man, I get inspired all the time, but, um, Recently, I was looking at this woman, Marsha Brown. Mm-hmm. She did this book. She did a lot of like Hans Christian Andersen books. <laughs> okay. Very like smudgy, um, very pastel-y, little blotchy. Uh huh. Um, Pauline Bynes did the Lord of the Rings like old school covers. Yes. Like very colorful, like pencil. Mm-hmm. Um, she 
is really cool. Um, there's a guy, Brian Wildsmith. Okay. He's old tiny too, and mm -hmm. he is like color pencil everywhere, lots of mixed media, uh -huh. like very exciting, very beautiful, rich, rich. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's but, awesome. Is that enough? <laughs> no, that's that's plenty. Yeah, yeah, I put you on the spot too. Um, so you work in the art and like design field, but you didn't study that, right? Not in college. Okay, so what did, first, what did you study first? Uh, English and film. Okay, so how does one go from English and film to design as a, a lifestyle? Oh man, so many U-turns. Well, I, so have you always <laughs> been like artistic, like, always been someone who likes to draw and paint, things like that? Mm, yeah, very communities oriented. I okay. Both of those briefs tend to come from like very mixed backgrounds. Yeah. And so when I left with an English degree mm -hmm. in college, um, I kind of reviewed my choices and I was like, well, I don't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and myself, I found myself doing a lot of like design work. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, this is something I could tolerate in terms of like having to do every day. Yeah. And so there was a year in there where I was like, for poetry and graphic design, yeah, um, master degrees. You mm -hmm. could. I was just kind of in two directions at once. Yeah, illustration ended up. I ended up finding um, some friends that were illustrators, and yeah. I didn't know it was a field until like I was twenty-five. Mm -hmm. And once I figured it out, I was like, ah. Oh. I listen. I totally understand. I went to graduate school for sports management. Yeah. And now I host a literary podcast. Yeah. So not exactly. It's one of those like not all who wander are lost situations, yeah. right? Oh, I was definitely lost for a while, <laughs> <laughs> but I got somewhere. But, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. it all turned out just fantastically for yeah. you. I also saw, I think it's on your website that you said you your parents aren't in the artistic field, but you would consider them very creative. Oh, totally. Okay, so can you kind of expand upon that? Because that's how I think of my parents as well. But can you kind of expand upon that idea a little bit? Sure. Yeah, my dad is ran his own telecommunications business mm -hmm. so he as an entrepreneur I feel you have to be like a, a creative type yeah and like just generally speaking his tastes are very like he loves theater and jazz and reading and uh -huh. poetry and he was always like having that on in the house yes and my mom uh, is like a technical secretary or um, admin yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> there you go second. there you go um, yeah so she has Square job, but uh. then when she's at home, she's very like um, very into reading, create like cooking and uh -huh. like needlepoint and like that kind of yeah. thing. So yeah, neither of them are technically. That's so fun. Cooking is my. I, I mean, I, I'm a quote-unquote writer. I feel like everyone who works at Overdrive is a writer of some fashion. But cooking is my creative outlet. Like, when I see things like your book and your art, I always get, like, like, it's so... I can't even imagine doing a piece like that, let alone being able to execute it. Cool. I also am terrible at, like, even stick figures, so I... So I You're my favorite kind of artist, actually. Oh, someone who has no artistic ability yeah, whatsoever? Yeah, whose, like, hand is stunted at five is, like, yeah. my favorite thing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's about it. Like, I would do... Like, if I was going to draw a picture of, like, quote-unquote Jesus, it would be, like, a stick figure with a little halo on top. Oh, it's perfect. like, there he is. It's Jesus, it. yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so towards the end of our podcast, we like to ask nine... They used to be rapid fire. They never are. Okay. Because tangents. Yeah. Uh, we call them the Nerd Nine because we like alliteration. Cool. Uh, so the first one is, what is the last book you finished reading? Finished reading. Or are currently reading. I'm currently reading um, a 
book by Gordon Lish. Okay. He is an adult literary fiction guy. Uh huh. And he wrote a book about Truman Capote. It's like. Of Truman of, Capote. Yeah, it's a it's a weird book. Uh huh. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yes, but it's about the mind of the. Truman Capote is very into that. Yeah. That's really good. Um, do you have a favorite place to read? Man, I do. And it's usually like in the sun in a corner of my house. Mm-hmm. But in truth, I am in bed usually. Yeah. <laughs> I tell everyone, I feel like I fall asleep all the time in my bed. It's like I have to like avoid my bed to read. That's the theory, but then in practice, I'm always <laughs> um, What is? Do you remember like the book that made you fall in love with reading when you were a kid? Hatchet. Oh, <gasps> yeah. I love Gary Paulson. Yeah, I like Brian's Winter and yes, the whole thing. Oh my god. Loved Hatchet. Yeah. My parents also wrote me Narnia, so like that was yeah. Oh, Hatchet. Man, I haven't yeah. even said that in a long time. Yeah, that was one I loved. Yeah, oh, so good. Okay, uh, what's one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to? South America. Oh, that's really good. Oh, no, wait. India. I really want to go there. It's like so that. far. Yeah, that is very Yeah, you, that'd have to be like one of those two week. Like, you can't. It's like going to Australia. Yeah, it's like going to Australia. You can't be like, I'm going to go for four days. Yeah. It's like, no. Um, do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate? Thanksgiving. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Food, no, don't talk about presents. Yep. All these. Are you a coffee person or a tea person? Coffee. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Dogs. Uh, favorite food? I was going for sushi, sushi. I was like, actually, I'm a vegetarian, so I like have one thing that I eat, so I can't. You and me both, actually. I could eat Thai, though. All day. Every meal. Every meal. Um, And then if you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? Yo, that is not a rapid fire. I know. That's why I always get yelled at. (laughs) Ah! One person, alive or dead? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I've let people pick, like, a few if they want. Mm. This is a surprise to me, but like Jim Henson seems like a good dude. That's literally mine. That's that's my <laughs> pick every. Si- I'm obsessed with Muppets. Oh, I'm surprised by myself. I'm like I never. He's not really at the top of my mind. So here's why I pick him because my other one is always I would consider Dr. Seuss because I'm a huge Dr. Seuss fan, huge Jim Henson fan. I have a Dr. Seuss quote tattooed on my body. Whoa. But. He had some stuff that was not super great about him, and like by all accounts, Jim Henson seemed like a borderline perfect human, and just like so whimsical and wonderful. So, so we are kindred spirits. Um, Okay, last question for you: What do you hope readers take away from reading for a day? That's a good question. Thank you. I hope they take away a sense of wonder. Ooh, that sounded corny. No, that was really good. I do think I do think it would be nice if that's what happened. Perfect. So, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.